even at the time she'd known Davis was marrying her not for her wit or the body he claimed to admire so much, but because he hoped Hilary Brand might advance his career. It hadn't happened. There had been a falling out, neither Davis nor mother had ever told her the details, and ever since Davis had seemed to blame her for it. I suppose it was always too much to hope you'd be any help, but I expected better things from her. She knows the Chief Justice. She could use her influence if she wanted. I am her son-in-law, after all. He was indeed, and made sure everybody knew it, but Hillary had made it clear she wouldn't lift a finger. There is nothing I can do for him. He's wrong in any case. I have no influence with the Chief Justice. I barely know him. Which had not lessened Davis's resentment. From the first, he had complained about what he called the conspiracy between mother and daughter to deprive him of his deserts. This happened most frequently when he'd been at the Scotch, but it had not been until six months after the wedding that Jennifer discovered the full extent to which alcohol could affect her husband's behaviour. Davis had been to a barrister's dinner. Wives were not invited, and when he got home, Jennifer knew she had a problem. He went straight to the liquor cabinet and poured himself a drink. He did not offer her one, but brought the bottle with him when he sat down with her and began to talk. He started off by boasting about his court triumphs and the masterly way he'd outwitted his opponents. She'd heard it all a dozen times before, but repetition had never been a problem for Davis Lander. He drank more, and, as always, his mood changed. He grew sulky, once again complaining about Hillary's failure to provide the support her son-in-law surely had the right to expect. Finally, he became amorous, a familiar progression that, like a brothel's open door, led invariably to sex. There was nothing she could do. He was her husband, and if he wanted her, she had to comply, supposedly with joy. All the romantic novels she had read had made that clear. Her mother could have taught her differently, but she'd been against the marriage from the beginning. They'd talked only about the mechanics of sex which she'd known from school anyway, and the question of obligation had never come up. She felt guilty for not wanting Davis more. She was nowhere near as experienced as some of her friends, but in that department, as in every other, marriage had proved a disappointment. She had thought Davis would teach her with affection and tenderness. He had not. She had thought they would be united, a loving couple indifferent to the vicissitudes of a sometimes hostile world. They were not. She had thought their lovemaking would introduce her to a wonderland of delight. Her experience so far had been very different. A nightly assault devoid of tenderness or love that left her bruised both in body and spirit. Perhaps it was her fault, as Davis said, but if so, he did nothing to help her perform better. He did not consider her at all. They hadn't been married a month when he had told her he would permit no children— Jennifer had wanted two, a son to grow up strong and protective of his mother and a daughter to be a friend. She had envisaged a lovely time of shared confidences, but came quickly to realise that a man as self-focused as her husband would never welcome competition even from his own child. That night, as his whisky breath engulfed her, she had used his opposition to children as a last line of defence. It won't be safe. My angel mustn't worry her pretty head about such things. He spoke coyly, but his hands were not coy at all. There are times when love must have its way. As indeed it had, if you could call it love. 
Two months later, she had told him she was pregnant, and he had been furious, blaming her for trying to saddle him with a brat he had warned her from the first he would not accept. You think I can't see through your stupid schemes? Well, I'll tell you now, I'll not have it. He had forced her into an abortion. You have no one to blame but yourself, he said. Jennifer had been devastated and had known she would never get over it. She never had. She no longer thought consciously about the child, but her subconscious was aware of an enduring sense of loss and the knowledge that when it had mattered, Davis had not been there for her. She had long given up any thought of coming to love her husband, but nevertheless had tried to play her part. She had been dutiful, always there when he wanted her, had attended functions on his arm, had smiled as required. She had been the public face of his marriage, but in private they were strangers meeting.